Hello, I'm Darren Heath, and I'd like to introduce Caroline Stockman, Chief Executive of the Association of Corporate Treasurers. Today is the sixth of our Strategic Insights series of short podcasts, where Caroline draws on her wide corporate, not-for-profit, exec, non-exec, and coaching experience to share some valuable insights on life balance. Thanks, Darren. My personal experience when looking at how we prioritise things in life is that talking about work versus life balance is unhelpful. It suggests that there's something inherently bad about work when, under the right circumstances, it can be very fulfilling. Work can set us interesting challenges, be the cause of things we want to celebrate, and it can also bring us new friendships, some of which stay for life. I still correspond at Christmas with someone who used to work with my mum 40 years ago, even though my mum can no longer remember who he, or anyone for that matter, is. Last year I was late with Christmas cards, and John phoned, worried that something might have happened to mum. I myself still meet with colleagues from a number of organisations I worked for in the past, and we remain firm friends. Of course, there are the times when work gets to be stressful, and we feel we don't have enough time for family, leisure, and other facets of our life, because work seems to have taken over. My view is that often occurs when we're unhappy in our jobs for a different reason. Or there's so much going on in the rest of our lives that we blame work for the feeling that we're unable to cope. I worry that if we consider the question to be work versus life, we can make it impossible perhaps to ever find balance. I recall one day coming home from my work at Unilever in Rotterdam. My husband, who stayed home with our young daughter, asked me how my day was. I replied, good thinking no more of it until I noticed my husband's face. Clearly, something was different today. I quickly realised that my normal response was probably something like, oh, my boss was a real pain today, or there was so much pressure around results today, the office was a madhouse, or even so-and-so was being really difficult and I don't know how I'm going to deal with them tomorrow. So what had changed? I think on reflection, there'd been a gradual sense for me after a difficult transition abroad and the takeover of Best Foods, my employer, by Unilever, that I was actually okay and my life was pretty good. My family was great and at that time I had started to get more leadership training and was given a coach. Some of my leadership training brought me close to people in the world who have very little. That all made a difference. From someone who had, through their life, been quite in the detail, someone who could critique things very well indeed, and therefore risk coming across as negative or a naysayer, I was starting to become someone who looked at the glass as half full rather than half empty. The realisation of what that could mean to myself and my family came to me that evening in my kitchen in Rotterdam, and I decided I wanted more of this positive life. I'll come back to positivity in another session, as I built on this in my next role in the wonderful kingdom of Thailand. Back to the kitchen, though. My husband and I discussed this new me, if you like, and he said to me something that I'll also always remember. He said, If you're happy in work, then we're happy at home. But if you're unhappy, so are we. We don't always realise the impact we have on those around us, or at least I didn't until that time. And that's also why I feel it's so difficult to separate life and work. Work is such a big part of our lives, and if we divide things up in this way, how can we ever be happy at work, and how can we bring our whole person there? And how in turn can we be happy at home? Too often we hear stories of people who have kept their home life in a different compartment, so to speak, and have either been afraid to be themselves at work or else culturally just could not see a way to acknowledge what was happening to them at home. Like the very senior guy in one blue chip company, on a leadership course with colleagues, who thought they were getting to know each other really well, who slipped out to his mother's funeral without telling anyone. 
or the other very senior figure whose daughter sadly committed suicide and who's back working the next day. Clearly, different people have different ways of dealing with grief. But these examples suggest to me that the culture those individuals knew and felt part of meant that they kept private life totally separate from work life. And I think that is changing a lot with younger generations coming into the workforce. But still, 60% of those LGBTQ plus individuals who came out at university go back into the closet when they join the workforce. So they, seemingly of necessity, start to live two different lives and their potential for true happiness is limited, as this false separation can only cause stress. Imagine never being able to say what you actually did and with whom you spent the time on the weekend. I believe if we're able to let down some of these barriers and also enjoy the work we do, then balance and happiness comes. We can't expect to be happy all the time, of course, and the tougher times can be helpful in some ways, as I'll cover in another session. But on the whole, enjoying our work, where we spend such a lot of time, is critical not only to happiness, but also to success and satisfaction with ourselves and our whole lives. All these things are connected. Unfortunately, many people work in jobs they don't really enjoy. And if that's you, then it's worth stepping back and thinking about what you'd really love to do. Next session, I'll talk about using your strengths and defining those can be life and career changing. Finding the right role and right organisation, where we accord and are in tune with its values, will not only make our working day more enjoyable, but will bring that elusive balance into our lives. And we mustn't forget about the impact on those around us in terms of how we work and what elements of work come into the rest of our lives. We might be having a whale of a time with our work challenges, so much so that we're constantly on our devices at the dinner table or when we're with family and friends socially. But that's not being present, and it's something we need to maintain strict rules around, I believe. It also sets the tone if you lead a team, and this is one area where I think some sensible divides are appropriate. I go home in good time when I don't have an evening event. And should I need or want to do more that day, I'll do it later in the evening when family is doing other things. We all have different preferences. For instance, some people like an early start, which doesn't impact on family or social life, say. But the key is to think it through and find a modus operandi that works for you. As people can work more flexibly nowadays and indeed as young people demand this, then I believe our balance will not only improve, but we'll see the edges between so-called life and work blurring, if they indeed currently exist. A day where we work a bit, play a bit, carry out some family-related tasks, work a bit more, and so on, will become part of the norm for many people. In the meantime, it's about consciously creating a situation where we'll be happy with our work, as well as ensuring that doesn't mean hell for the people we live with. Well, some food for thought about happiness in our roles, bringing balance in our lives. And as Caroline says, we'll look at our strengths next time as a key to unlocking our full potential and finding the right career path in life. Till then, goodbye from both of us and thanks for listening. <laughs>